This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are jumping into our positional rankings, the first edition. We got the point guards for the 2018-2019 season. It's going to take a while to get used to saying that. We'll yeah. be taking our rankings of the starting point guard, one from every team, because there's only one starting point guard for every team, um, and ranking them 30 <laughs> to number one um, if this is your first time joining us for these welcome we usually have a lot of people in the comments pissed off that we didn't put someone higher or we didn't even have the right point guard um at the right spot like, so uh just that get guy's ready. the center yeah like, how do we not know that we blame real gm um so if we're wrong it's not us it's real gm but we didn't use them this year <laughs> they don't know <laughs> their scapegoat before we jump into the rankings though we do have some housekeeping for you it's been a while since i've done this so mm-hmm. if i screw it up just let me know uh but check out mostvalopodcast.com you don't want to miss any of the things we post from our nfl predictions that are coming out um, for full podcast segments. You can find all that on mostvalopodcast.com. Also, rate us five stars on iTunes, the Fast Break Podcast, the Onside Kick, the Primetime Podcast, and the Rick and Johnny Podcast. Dave's laughing like a child for some reason. Um, I hit the table. He hit underneath oh. the table with his fist. <laughs> Way to go, Dave. Uh, but ch- uh, please rate us five stars on iTunes. It means us uh, an absolute ton um, it helps us out, helps us grow, and it, and it, and it really does uh, give us that extra push that we need to become bigger, um, so we can you know afford a, a better, you know, more cameras, so we can get better angles for you guys, so it's more interesting to watch. Um, even the little things, just like rating us five stars on iTunes, means a ton. If you do want to help us out financially, uh, check out Patreon.com/slash/MostLovePodcast. Please don't feel obligated to do so, but we do have some great perks that are worth your money. Um, we have uh, the $10 tier. We have a patron come on uh, monthly, and they talk about the topic they want. We're going to have Jake on. I know he might want to be talking GOAT this month, um, and, and, and you know, we're, we're getting into that. We'll see where that's LeBron at. versus Michael Jordan, so we'll talk about that. Um, and, and that's his idea, so, mm-hmm. so we'll see. He, he's still mulling around. But if you do want to be like a patron like Jake or Ziani or Bill, um, check out patreon.com slash podcast, and that's it. Yeah, I think you did. They got, uh, yeah. If it, you got iTunes, you got the website, you got the oh, buy Patreon, shirts. and then the shirt. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> Let's jump into our rankings. How we do it. We're going 30 through 21 on YouTube, then 20 through 11, and then we are doing 10 to 1. If you're listening on Blog Talk or iTunes Radio mm-hmm. or Stitcher, um, you are just able to listen to the whole podcast, and, and that doesn't matter to you, but we are going to at least break them up into those tents. So, Ricky, um, we are going to jump in. I feel like we're going to do the, the mock draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep wanting to go to you to, to yeah. read your list. Um, no, what we did was you now. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, we made our list, um, uh, our own personal list, ranked them 30 through 1, um, assigned those spots uh, a number value. Um, so if you were ranked uh, number 1 in our list, you got 30 points. If you're ranked 30, you got uh, 1 point. And then we put that all together and made one giant list. So let's jump into it at number 30 the worst point guard in, in our mind the worst starting point guard in our mind for the 2018-2019 season is for the orlando magic and it's dj augustine then the new orleans pelicans recent signing and alfred payton at 29 at 28 brandon knight of the phoenix suns coming off injuries then at 27 the sophomore point guard for the new york knicks frank nikitalina then 26 the rookie point guard for the Cap- cleveland cavaliers colin sexton then at 25, we have Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks. Then at 24, we have the sophomore Sacramento Kings guard, De'Aaron Fox. Then at 23, we have journeyman Pat Bev for the Los Angeles Clippers. Then at 22, we have the sophomore guard, Dennis Smith Jr. of the Dallas Mavericks. And at 21, we have 
of the San Antonio Spurs, DeJounte Murray. Now, what I want to open up with is the rookies. We got Colin Sexton, we got Trey Young. I have consistently said that Colin Sexton will be a better pro than Trey Young. I understood why Trey Young went before him because he does have that boomer bust uh, expectation, but I think Colin Sexton is going to be more of a solid pro, and that re- reflected in my rankings. I had Colin Sexton at 26, and I had Trey Young at 27. However, Ricky, you mm-hmm. had Colin Sexton all the way up at uh, 22, and you had Trey Young at 21. You had the rookies the highest mm-hmm. out of all of us. Why did you have the rookies that high? Well, I mean, for me, if you guys have listened to the podcast, I love the rookies coming out of every single draft. It was last year I was the highest on Lonzo. I'm like, screw it. He's in the top 10 for my point guards just because I can do so. But for me, like, I think the situation with this year is notice how I have them back to back. To where, yes, personally, I like Trey Young better. I think he's going to develop this season and at the end of the year will be the better point guard for the Hawks than Colin Sexton will be. But right away, day one, I think we're going to look at it and go, man, why didn't the Hawks go with Colin Sexton? He looks like such a better point guard than Trey Young because Trey Young, even in summer league, showed that there's some things he still needs to work on and making the right decisions and kind of getting into the flow of an NBA game compared to a college game. Mike got turned off there for a second. That's why there was a weird <laughs> jump cut. But Dave, you also had Trey Young above Colin Sexton. You had Trey Young, though, a little bit lower uh, than Ricky. Ricky had him at uh, 21 and 22. Like I said, you had Trey Young at 26 and Colin Sexton at 28. What are your thoughts on what Ricky said? And, and again, what, do you agree on that's the reasoning why you have Trey Young over Colin Sexton? Yeah, I think Trey Young just looks like he will be a more rounded point guard than Colin Sexton, and especially coming out of college, what we saw is Sexton obviously can drive to the hole aggressively and finish. He's got a very physical form, mm-hmm. and he knows how to use that to his advantage. But uh, even in Summer League, where you know we saw Trey Young struggle with the like fact that there's 17 seconds on the shooting clock, or on the shot, shot clock, and he is just jacking up shots from like the logo, like... That he's got to he's got to fix that, but I think that's more of a coaching thing. Where as you get into a system where you got players on who are better players, because mm-hmm. again, summer league's a bunch of young kids just playing. Mm-hmm. I think that he is going to really, really fit nicely on that Atlanta Hawks team, and the the ability to pass the ball is paramount to me. Yeah, and one thing is that Trey Young easily beats him in shooting and, and passing. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. And and Trey Young again, you know, we some we give we show the negatives of Trey Young summer league. Um, they're obviously what oh, were yeah. some, but he also bounced back uh, in Las Vegas and was fantastic um, in, in most of those games in Las Vegas. So we do have to give him credit. I just think that's going to be what we see consistently out of Trey Young is we're going to have games where he looks absolutely horrible. He's mm-hmm. shooting 0 for 10 from 3, yeah. and he's turning the ball over 7 times. And he only has 5 assists, and he's a detriment to his team. I don't think he's going to be consistent where Colin Sexton, yes, he might not have those assist numbers, he might not have those rebound numbers, but he's still going to be able to drive to the hole. He's still going to be able to draw contact. He's still going to be going to the line. I still think he can be a guy that can get you you know, anywhere to 17 points a game to at least 9 points a game. And I think yeah. he's consistently going to be in that range getting you those points, driving to the bucket. The biggest thing, though, is how well will he, how well will he fit into a facilitator role? Because that's the biggest thing the Cavs mm-hmm. are losing, is yeah. LeBron James. They're losing that facilitator that they've had for the past three years. Now the question is, when will Colin Sexton even start? Because pe- some people might think George Hill will be the starter for them. I just think, ultimately, you drafted this kid so high in Colin mm-hmm. Sexton. He does have the physical tools to at least hang in the NBA, and oh, yeah. you need to at least try him at some point. Because the Cavs might be trying to win, but again, Colin Sexton is more explosive than George Hill. George Hill is safer. Colin Sexton does have that next-level ability, or we at least think he does, with him being drafted that high. 
Um, so I think Colin Sexton is a guy that he might not have those passes. He might not have those highlight real plays mm-hmm. like Trey Young, but I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be at least more consistent, and also I think he's going to be a better defender. Trey Young, again, we've yeah. seen him struggle. <laughs> he doesn't have a long wingspan. He's not that quick going left to right you know, and, and even staying in front of his defenders. Colin Sexton at least has that body. Um, and some people bring up the fact that Josh Hart dropped, what, 36 on him in Summer League? Yeah. It was Summer League, and also Josh Hart is like four years older than mm-hmm. Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton isn't going to be a great NBA defender, but he's going to be better than Trey Young. I think that just Colin Sexton is going to be more consistent, and that's why I have him one spot above. But I think the rookies are going to be interesting to, interesting to at least see. Well, and the last thing I wanted to kind of mention with him is the thing that Trey Young will have to get used to that Colin Sexton won't is I feel like... Trey Young, when we were watching him in some of the summer league games, he wasn't good at. It's like, I have to do it all on my own. I'm going to dribble in on this guy. Oh, it's not going to work. I'm going to dribble back out. And it's like, you do know you can pass the ball, right? And it's like, we, in the draft process, we're all like, man, he's got such great vision. Look at this. It's like, use that. Drive in. The defense is going to come to you because of who you are. Pass it off to the corner. Pass it in down low. Trust your teammates because I know you couldn't do that at Oklahoma. Yeah, it's something that, again, even on this Atlanta Hawks team, how much will we be able to trust mm-hmm. his teammates as well? John Collins obviously looked fantastic in summer league. Yeah. He had a really good rookie year as well. But with that, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be shooting on the perimeter. Yeah, so plays more in Prince really out there. And yeah. then, of course, Kevin right? Herter. Herter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and Herter's going to be at least joining him. He wasn't in the Clay summer Light. league. <laughs> because he, he hurt his wrist. Um, you also got Amari Spellman out there. Um, they got Blaze Moore as well, our yeah. buddy Kent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously the guy that they uh, just drafted in Trae Young. Uh, really? I don't know why I mentioned I'm trying to think of, didn't they get a power forward too as yeah, well? Yeah, they got Amar- Amari, Amari Spellman. Spellman. I mentioned him. I think they got another big guy too. I can't think of it. They've got um, Deadman, Dwayne Deadman. He's, no, he's more of a... No. Pick and roll. He's center. Um, anyways, uh, I don't know. Uh, whatever. The Hawks are the Hawks. They're not the going to be a good Hawks, team. They're not going to be a good team, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. That's true. Which um, will be better than last year. But again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Trey Young and Colin Sexton. I, I think they're guys that are never going to be able to. I got it. Jay Lynn. They got Jeremy that's, Lynn behind them. That's who it was. That's yeah. the big but, man. And it's going to be interesting for? how they at least. Yeah. Well, no, no, not the big man. I was just. <laughs> The big, Spellman, the big Spell, name. Spellman was the big man yeah. that I was okay. thinking of, but yeah. I was trying to think of the other person that they brought in. Yeah, Jalen was the other person. good mentor. So it's gonna it, good mentor, and maybe they will show spots where hey, we'll work Trey off ball, mm-hmm. um, use his speed, get him around screens, mm-hmm. and then have Jalen set him up. Uh, that Funny was the guy, that was the guy I was thinking of. We're, um, we're, we're talking these rookies, and I'm looking at Pat Bev, and obviously the guy right behind him biting at the bit. We saw an excellent summer league performance out of Shea, and. Do you think that there's any risk to Papev ever coming off the bench this year? That was something we talked about was the fact that because we, we were putting together all the start, starting point guards and mm-hmm. it was Papev or Shea and you were adamant that Papev yeah. is, is the starter. He's a much better player, but... But Shea was so disgusting. And also the one thing about Shea is that he's so big. I mean, he's 6'6", he's got a long wingspan. Um, you know, Obviously he's a rookie, so he at least plays into this. Um, Pat Bev obviously had his injury last year, and that's going to be you know something that we're going to watch and monitor. Um, but Pat Bev's a guy that is at least solid, def- more than solid defensively, but he's also solid offensively. He can shoot from the outside. Right. Um, but I think that Shea at least can possibly end up being a good defender, not probably to the level of Pat Bev right away, but he can be a good defender. And then offensively, I think he does a little bit more because of his ability to drive, because of his length. He's going to be able to pass a little bit more. Um, and I think that I think if Shea really starts to ball out and Pat Bev starts to show his age, I think that's where we might see 
Shea overtake that yeah. because also where is this Clipper team going? That's this, where I would. Is go, this going to yeah. be a team that's going to be in the playoffs, or is this the team that you know come All Star break? This is going to be a team that is you know maybe eleventh in the Western market? Conference. Yeah, they sellers market, and then also do you want to get these young guys time if you're losing? Then Shea might overtake. That, that starting line, starting position, what do you think, Ricky? With me, I was on the other side of, I threw out there the, oh, which one is it going to be? But I was leaning towards, if it was me to make the decision, I would have put Shea as the starting point guard. And the reason why is I kind of look at Pat Bev on this uh, Clipper team and kind of compare him to where Rondo is in his career right now. Rondo comes onto a team, I'm not the starting point guard. Well, the Bulls he was because the Bulls were trash um, and- when we signed him. The Pelicans but he like, was. For example, the team he was on or he's signing with right now, it's like, you know what? You've got Lonzo. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do what I do best to help this team win, but I don't have to be that starter that starts the game. I just need my minutes and use me where I am. And I feel like Pat Bev, he's not a guy that's going to get you a ton of points. He's not going to get you assists. He's a just 40% shooter across the board. But the thing that he specializes in is his defense. And I feel like that's why, for me, this year we're going to see Shea will take over the starting mantle and Pat Bev will be, all right, I'm the guy off the bench that they use when they need someone to play tough defense and use that role for this team. I don't majorly agree with he can't get you assists. Um, well, I, I mean, he averaged about, I'm saying he averaged like three 11 last games, year. I know, he but played like 11 the year before, three. he averaged about four when he played a fuller season, where like a guy like Rondo's getting I mean, eight assists, but okay, Rondo's but one of the best passers in the league exactly. ever. So. But we can't compare those two no, skill sets. I'm, uh, but, I'm just saying, with me, I feel but, like his biggest skill set is defense, and how much yes. are you going to be like, man, we got to have him in that starting lineup just because of his defense, or will it be, hey, we need Shea out there because of what he brings all around, but then we can move Pat Bev no, into the lineup. I, I think the thing with Pat Bev is that he's so decent all around, mm-hmm. where Shea is just more of. I don't. Shea's not going to be as consistent as Pat Bev. Also, Pat Bev is a guy that, yes, he might not light up the stat sheet, but he's a guy that moves the ball so efficiently. He's a smart player. So he's not going to be a guy that's a major detriment. I mean, looking at the three healthy years, the last three healthy years for Mm -hmm. him, shot 41% from the field, 37.9% from three. He averaged 3.7 assists, and that's on 1.4 turnovers. So he's a guy that's going to move the ball efficiently and not turn the ball over. With Shea, we've seen this with rookies time and time again, is they try to fit into spots that worked in college. They try to you know mm-hmm. do too much for their team. Pat Bev, again, if this is a team that's going to be in the playoffs, he's going to bring consistency to their lineup. He's going to bring smart basketball uh, uh, to their lineup. And I think that's something that, again, a Jerry West team and a Doc Rivers team will love. And I think that's why at least Pat Bev's going to start this season, um, and if he continues to do that, if he gives them what he needs, I don't think he's going to lose it. But if they start losing, and you know he might start getting floated out in trade rumors, or again they start losing, they want to see what Shea can do. Then that's when Shea ends up taking over for him. You still got Milos on that team too. You, I mean, you got you got depth. Yeah, I don't he, know what's up with Milos though. He was he, got, he got injured. Yeah, and yeah, so. and I think there was also rumors that he didn't end up signing and that he did sign. Yeah, um, that, that'll be a toss up to see how they manage that backcourt. They got a lot of guards. Yeah, in the Clippers. so and Milos is a guy that again he uh, started thirty six games for him last year. Obviously, well, Pat Bev out, and, and, and he's a great passer hurt. himself as well. Fun so, so and and they still have Lou Will. So a lot of guards on that team <laughs> that is going to at least be a detriment to Shea, Shea Gill just right away because he might not be getting the playing time that he deserves, or at least he might not be getting the, getting the playing time that he needs to grow. But again, he's still, what, 19 years old? Um, what I want to talk about next, though, is the sophomores on this list. we got uh, Dennis Smith Jr., De'Aaron Fox, 
and good old Frank Nikitalina of the New York Knicks. These three guys, um, you know, not too farly separated. Dennis Smith uh, leading the pack at 22, Jaron Fox at 24, and Frank at 27. Is it too low that we have Frank this low behind De'Aaron Fox and behind Dennis Smith Jr.? I don't think so. The problem is we don't really know what the Knicks are doing yet with their backcourt because they have three guys who can play point guard. They've got three guys who can play shooting guard, and really nothing's been locked in. We went with Frank because that seemed like the best possible lineup for them. Well, I think that Frank is for sure starting. They're not They're not, not going to start Frank, right? So it just depends on whether he's going to be at the one or the two. And yep. then we look at at least the two-guard position. They have Tim Hardaway, they have Courtney Lee, mm-hmm. and if they start Tim Hardaway, or if they start Courtney Lee, then that's going to push Tim Hardaway to the three. But then again, they have that idea of, of Kevin Knox or Tim Hardaway. So then if they go with Tim Hardaway at the three, then they go with Kevin Knox at the four, and then they go, go with Enos Cantor at the five. Um, so it really is dependent on you know who they put at the two. Now, if they put Frank at the two, then that means they're putting... Tim Hardaway at the three, then Kevin Knox at the four, then Cancer at the five. That means they're starting Trey Burke, who's, you know, he very played ball, really well last year. But he's year. very ball dominant. He's a, he screams six man to me, like a Lou yeah. Williams ball he dominant. He does to guy. me as well, but he, so, he was efficient. And so. then Moutier's there as well. So I, I just think that Frank is a first year starter. It depends on the one and two. I think it just fits yeah. their lineup better if he is at the one. And if you're reading into the hype book, you know, he grew another inch this offseason. <laughs> if if not one, then two inches. So he's like six, 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 six and a half. He grew now. a third arm. Um he his shooting again, it, it looks smooth. It looks better. And this is he's actually lifting weights for the first time in his life. So I expect to see a good good growth out of Frank. Like I'm putting him low, but I'm still a buyer on Frank. I still think he's going to be a legitimate NBA player because the defense we saw out of him last year means that he has a future in the NBA well, long term. I think that's the one thing, Ricky, mm-hmm. is that if you look at Dennis Smith Jr., you look at Darren Fox, and you look at Frank Nikitalino. Dennis Smith and Darren Fox are better offensively than Frank is yeah. right now, um, but Frank probably arguably has the best skill set, at least on one side of the ball, and that is defensively. He's a better defense, yeah. defender than De'Aaron is offensively and then better than uh, Dennis Smith is offensively as well. I feel like for this, just with all of them, is if I had to rank these three sophomores, I'm most excited about Dennis Smith this year because of what that Dallas team mm-hmm. could be. He gets a guy like Luca to play along with him. He gets De'Aaron, or not, uh, he gets DeAndre Jordan down mm-hmm. low and Dirk coming back for another year. I'm excited for this Mavericks team just to see what they can do. Then, like, the Kings and De'Aaron Fox. I think De'Aaron Fox will be better, but I don't know what to expect from this Kings team each year because it's like, ooh, we got so many, so much talent, and then they're, what, a top 10 pick in the draft. And then with Frank, I feel like with the Knicks, I just don't know what this team is going to be after this year. Like, if we fast forward to the end, there's already, we're starting the rumors of, Kyrie wants to come to New York, and he'll team up with Jimmy Butler. And for me, I'm low on Frank now because without guys like that, I don't necessarily love Frank being my starter. I think he'll, at this point, benefit more from, let's say they do bring in a Jimmy Butler, and it's like, hey— Jimmy can start. I can be what on the about bench. Him do you not like him being your starter? Like what you were saying, the main skill set that I think of is kind of what we were talking about with Pat Bev, but on a lesser scale of it's his defense. His defense is what I think of right now. And I feel like at this point, while he develops everything else, 
it would be wiser to have someone else that could be in the starting lineup ahead of him, and he could come off the bench to help the but team. But arguably with Frank, again, he's only 20 years old, just oh, I know. turned 20 there's, seven there's days ago. There's still time for Frank. him to develop. But, yeah. but, I mean, even then, with his offensive game, he wasn't a great scorer. Mm-hmm. Still shot 31% from three, but that's on two attempts per game. It was nothing crazy. Um, 72% from the, from the line, so he definitely needs to work on it. It looks smoother, like you said, but still it's different when you're getting in games. Yeah. Um, but even then, at least moving the ball, he was fairly decent at it. 3.2 uh, assists per game compared to 1.7 turnovers per game. Um, I, I think that, again, you can't give up on him too early. And it, I think he's a guy that if Jimmy Butler comes, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean he can't play the one. It's just dependent on well, where, where where he ends up figuring out his spot because they're not sure if he's going to be Frank. If they're not you're sure if he's going to be a two guard or if he's going to be a one guard mm-hmm. because of his ability to either pass right. and score. Because um, if he can't do that, he still does have mm-hmm. a spot in a starting lineup, I believe, because of his defense. And I just think, like you said, he is still young. I'm not saying, like, give up on Frank, but I'm thinking in the mindset of if Jimmy comes or Kyrie comes too. And with me, that would be maybe a better situation for Frank because, like, okay, I don't have to have the pressure of starting. I can just kind of develop my game, help this team off the bench. And, like, I sit there and think, like, if Kyrie and Jimmy came to this Knicks team, that would be a good thing that, hey— we can give Jimmy a rest now, still put in Frank maybe at that two in some situations, mm-hmm. and not lose that defense that Jimmy Butler brings to I the mean, team. I mean, to be fair, he only started nine games last year. Yeah. He's not exact. Like He's so young and mm-hmm. he's so fresh that like mm-hmm. you need time. So I, I don't know. The whole... The whole New York conversation is another thing with Jimmy and Kyrie. That, that's another. Well, we got to see what the what Fizdale's like in his first yeah. year too. Yeah. And at least giving some uh, numbers to this conversation, Frank last year had an offensive rating of eighty nine and a defensive rating of one twelve, with a defensive win share of one point one and a defensive uh, box score plus minus of negative point five. So again, he the numbers aren't really great for him, but again, he was on a bad defensive team, yeah. um, and and still showed one on one that he was a great defender. Compare that to De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox had an offensive rating of ninety four, clearly uh, a better there. Obviously, he was more efficient, was able to move the ball more, um, had games where he showed his his offensive ability. Yeah, uh, but he was a worse defender. One point one defensive shares uh, for uh, for De'Aaron, which is the same as Frank. Um, and De'Aaron had a higher defensive rating at 113, um, but also had a worse defensive uh, box score of negative 1.5. And then Dennis Smith had an offensive rating of 93, so a little bit lower than uh, De'Aaron. Um, had a lower defensive rating, though, at 110, so technically he was a better defender. Um, also had a better win share of 1.7 and a defensive box, defensive box score plus minus of negative 0.7. So technically, by the numbers, Dennis Smith Jr. was the best def- uh, best defender um, out of all these, um, and that's why Dennis Smith is is uh, higher than Darren Fox and uh, Frank Nikitalina because of what he also brings offensively, and then also what the hype uh, that Ricky mm-hmm. said. He really turned DeAndre it on Jordan, late in the year too. Yeah, having Harrison Barnes, having uh, Luka Doncic around him, it's it's definitely gonna be something interesting to see. All right, closing in on the final minutes on this one. Any other guys you want to bring up? Either Brandon Knight with his injury, Alfred Payton on the new team, DJ Augustine, if if you want to. Uh, Sorry, who else is popping off the? Dejounte Murray is the guy for me. Like mm-hmm. he he's the guy who he got handed the keys last year, and he is now the starter. He didn't he get like defensive player? Uh, he was second team. Second team defense player. Like that's fantastic. He is something weird because he is a point guard who is long and rebounds. And his outside shot needs help. It, I mean, he's been working on it. It's it's getting better, but like he needs help from the outside. His mid range, his floaters, his layups, solid. So like he's a guy who defensively is there. 
offensively, if he continues to grow his game out, I'm really going to be interested in his pairing with DeMar DeRozan and seeing how that opens up this team. I think that's the big thing because last year he didn't get to play with Kawhi. He was playing mm-hmm. a lot with LaMarcus Aldridge mm-hmm. as his number one offensive weapon. So I want to see if he can really become the facilitator because last year I think like Paul Gasol was their leader in assists, like something ridiculous yep. like that. So Well, and I mean you also had like Tony Parker taking well, minutes away yeah. from him as well at the point guard position. Right, right. He's not there anymore. He's now in Charlotte. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're right. Second team, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, Al Horford, DeJounte Murray, and Jimmy Butler. So good. Their second team. It's, that's so, a good company. It's a great company. And you're also behind you know guys like R- Rocco and, <laughs> and Victor Oladipo and Drew. It's just weird seeing guys like you know yeah. Joel Embiid, Draymond, Al Horford, and Jimmy Butler. Um, below guys like Rocco and you know Victor Oladipo. Hey, respect but defense. Also, Victor Oladipo is most improved player. No, nothing yeah. too shocking. Uh, but yeah, uh, Dejounte is an interesting one. Uh, Brandon Knight, though, I, I had him. The He's lowest the one I was going to bring. Yeah, up. Yeah, I had him. The, oh, you had him the lowest actually mm-hmm. out of all, uh, all of us. You had him at thirty. Um, I had him at twenty nine. Dave had him at twenty four. Um, obviously, this is a guy that's been consistently injured. Obviously, he has the talent, but he can't stay healthy. That's why I put him that low because he might be a guy that can't really shake off that rust, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And then one of these young guys like an Okobo, uh, or they might slide Dev Book to the one, might take over and, and, and you know, get rid I'm, of a starting position. I'm going to be completely honest, and Suns fans might get mad at me, but when we were coming in with these rankings, before we kind of solidified who was going to be where, my first thought was, and this is also more of a thought for the end of the year, I was like, just put Okobo as a starter. Because, like, to me, it's... He's never there. I know he played for like fifty four games last year, but it's like he hasn't played no, more he than played, no, he did not. He played fifty four games the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, he took all um, last year off. But last game he played injuries. last game he, he played was uh February fifteenth, twenty seventeen. He hasn't played seventy plus games since what, twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen? Um so it's like for me, I look at it and it's like this is the player that's like, just show me what you got. Like I can't put you Dead last because I mean, or I could put you dead last. He I did, did. Um, and that's mainly why. Well, I couldn't remember if I put Alfred Payton um, below him, but like for me, it's show me what you got. Like you were, show me a move. If you were the same player you were, like your second, third, like player in the league or year in the league, it'd be different. But right now, show me that you can be that Brandon Knight on the Suns team. Or because, like you said, is every single year it's like, oh, are they going to trade Brandon Knight? Are they going to get this contract off their mm-hmm. team? I don't know. I still think we're going to talk this year where Ogabol will take the job from him, and then we're talking about Brandon Knight trades that I won't think happen. You're entirely it's, too positive on Ogabol. He looked incredibly raw in summer league. I don't think there's a chance in hell he starts for this team well, this I'm year. By the end of the year, I don't. I, I my statement mm-hmm. still stands. Uh, everything of this offseason has been Brandon Knight gaining incredible shape. Uh, best shape of his career. He's been positive in the community. All these good, all these goodwill stories about him. I think I'm he's so sick of hearing. Back. Oh, he's in the best shape of his career. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What I know. JJ Watt's in the best shape of any human ever. And he's I don't, don't getting injured. care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm. I want to believe in the hype of Brandon Knight because I do too. I don't want this guy to be injured. 2015-2016 season. He's putting up like just shy of 20 points, five assists, four boards. He was doing everything for them, and that's why I want to see is like. He never really got like that was his one chance to shine, mm-hmm. and I would love to see someone like him, another offensive threat who can facilitate next to Dev Book. Those two as a backcourt, a healthy Brandon Knight and Devin Booker could be something amazing. Like that's how the yeah. Suns team makes the next jump. And I'm I'm rooting for the kid again. I mean he's he's only I think he's, he's uh, twenty seven. 
Yeah, he's 26, yeah. 27 in so, December, yeah. uh, d- December 2nd. We yeah. look at his seasons uh, from ages 22, 23, 24. Um, over those years, those three years, he averaged 18 points per game, uh, 5.1 assists, 3.7 rebounds, uh, three turnovers, which obviously he was a young player that's going to come down, or you hope yeah. at least it's going to come down, uh, and shooting 42% from the field and 35% from three. So this kid is talented. I think he was also like third in his uh, high school recruiting class as well. Yeah. Um, fourth, uh, according to basketball reference. He was fourth. Uh, but behind Harrison Barnes, Kyrie Irving, uh, and Jared Sollinger. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is a guy that's extremely talented, and he's just been robbed of injuries. So hopefully he's at least being able to be healthy, yep. and then we can at least trash him if he's bad. Yeah, um, that's so, fair. You know, I, I would rather have him be on the court playing and then yeah. trash him than rather being like, all right, what if? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the likely thing is if he stumbles or fails out the gates or gets injured again, God forbid, like Dev Book probably slides to the one in my mind. Mm-hmm. So and that's something that Igor has said that Devin Book is a two or D book is a two right uh, so we'll see what happens with that but let's jump into 20 through 11 at number 20 of the Chicago Bulls we have Chris Dunn at 19 we have Reggie Jackson of the Detroit Pistons at 18 we have Lonzo Ball of the Los Angeles Lakers at 17 we have D'Angelo Russell of the Brooklyn Nets at 16 we have Jeff Teague of the Minnesota Timberwolves at 15 we have Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets at 14, we have Darren Collinson of the Indiana Pacers. Then at 13, we have Ricky Rubio of the Utah Jazz. And then at 12, we have Eric Bledsoe of the Milwaukee Bucks. And then at 11, we have Mike Conley of the Memphis Grizzlies. That is some disrespect <laughs> to Mike Conley. My Lord. Also, Jamal Murray is ridiculously low. Uh, just noticing this, because I, I had Jamal Murray the highest at 12. Uh, Ricky and Dave clocked him in at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also we have, uh, who was the other guy? Mike Conley. I had Mike Conley at 10. Uh, Dave put him at 13, and Ricky put him at 12. So congrats to you, Ricky. Um, looking at all these guys, though, uh, you know, obviously Chris Dunn, Reggie Jackson, Lonzo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, there seems to be a difference between uh, the guy at 16, Jeff Teague, between D'Angelo Russell. Like, Jeff Teague and up. Seems like those are guys that are, you know, consistent stars, guys that have been stars for a long time, mm-hmm. or guys that are all-stars, where D'Angelo Russell, Lonzo, Ball, Reggie Jackson, Chris Dunn, these are guys that are still young, still trying to fit, you know, find where they fit in the NBA. What are your expectations for guys like uh, D'Angelo, Lonzo, Reggie, and, and Chris Dunn this year? Ricky? Well, the thing I would say is I would use—I'm going to say I'm going to use consistent starter with Chris Dunn for this year because the thing with Chris Dunn is he's our starter. It's just— are we going to see more improvement? Like I mentioned to you guys before we recorded of like Chris Dunn might be the biggest riser from last year to this year being what 29th last year in our rankings. Yep. Now he's all the way up inside the top 20 where to me, it's what are we going to see from these players in year two? You're wrong. It's Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was at 27. Oh, yeah. I was just saying like, I, I didn't do the math. I was just spitballing the, Oh no, I just high. looked up. Yeah. Jamal Murray jumped 12. No, but I mean, with these <laughs> lower guys, maybe not Reggie Jackson, but more Lonzo Ball and Chris Dunn. Yeah. What are we going to see in year two? I know Chris Dunn, this is year three, three. but year two with the Bulls. What are we going to see that you already improved? Darren one? Collinson jumped 12 points. Too. Well, yeah, no, I'm just saying <laughs> 20, 20, 26 to 14. He's one of the biggest risers. Happy Sean. I, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. I don't want to be wrong. Darren Collison deserved a big jump, too. That'd be the worst. Uh I also, think real quick, Isaiah Thomas had the biggest fall from well, yeah, five to unranked. He's not a starting point guard anymore. I know, but <laughs> he went from top five to unranked. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good shit right there. I love Isaiah Thomas not being ranked. <laughs> but at least going with the guys that are in, in that range. D'Angelo Russell, Lonzo yeah. Ball, Chris yeah. Dunn. 
uh, Reggie Jackson. What are your expectations for those players? No, I think uh, my highest expectations, I would say, I want to see D'Angelo Russell succeed. I think he is could be like a 23-a-night scorer. I honestly think that he could be one of the main guys on this Brooklyn team if he can stay healthy and consistent. Like, when he gets hot, he is one of the best players, but he's been hurt, and then he's inconsistent when he's out there at times, but... He's he's got my highest expectations. Lonzo Ball, you couldn't ask for better mentor and Rajon mm-hmm. Rondo out there with you. Uh, I think that and LeBron James. I mean, and LeBron I mean that's James. A, I mean, yeah. let's look at his. I'm not positional, but you're right. Role wise, that's I exactly mean, what he wants to be. Yeah, I mean, he, he wants to be a guy that averages. I don't know about twenty seven, but seven he wants. Seven. To, I mean, last year he averaged ten, seven, and seven. That's that's yeah. near a LeBron stat line. If yeah, you just he's don't only eighteen points. points off. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it, I think I'm having sorry. two yeah. great mentors like that no, is massively exactly. important. So I think I think for him the big question will be where's his fit going to be on this team? Like his role as that quick distributor, Ryan point guard, and more so being like off ball handler because LeBron, but LeBron claiming he wants mm-hmm. to play off ball. We'll see how that lasts. <laughs> so I think he's the he's got the interesting case because he his team could be more successful, but his role might be about the same as it was this past year. Mm-hmm. If he becomes a better shooter. Problem solved though. Like instead mm-hmm. of ten, he's now at fourteen, just as easily as fixing his shot. The I think court, the biggest thing with easy to do. Zoe that's going to happen though. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Zoe, you know, is going to ever become a better shooter because I don't think he's ever going to fix his stroke. Well, um, I was going to ask, does he need? Like, let's say he doesn't fix his shooting drastically, and he's still like well, the shot is still the same. Is that going to hurt the Lakers well, long? What I, what I think is going to happen. Yes. This was what I was going to get into. Um, I don't think Zoe is ever going to fix his form. But one thing that we've seen from Zoe is when he's confident in his shot, he can get it to fall. Mm-hmm. So it's not a massive detriment. He was able to show that at UCLA. He showed it last year as well. The biggest thing, though, early he wasn't confident at all in the shot. It wasn't falling down. Um, and I think one thing, too, is that he took 5.7 attempts last year. Mm-hmm. That's going to come Got down. Got the green and, and, and one thing, too, <laughs> is that not only is it going to come down, but with LeBron playing with him, he's going to get more open looks, which, again, might gain that confidence, and he might just have better numbers on lower attempts, which right. will, will be something that is a you know a gain for him. I don't think it's ever going to be something where he's going to be a 40% shooter mm-hmm. from three. No. Now can he be a guy that, you know, is it around 35% on four attempts a game? I think that's exactly where he needs to be because yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be a number one scorer on a team, and I think he needs to realize that, um, especially with his jump shot because I don't think he's going to be able to create too much for himself. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy that can definitely work off ball and shoot, and I think that's going to be his spot um, in the NBA. Um, and again, having guys like Rajon Rondo, having guys like LeBron, um, helping him learn that, even be easy um, as well, a guy who went from you know top of the world, number two pick, all the way down to a role player. Dude um, just wanted to smoke. Like, Can you blame him? No. Um, <laughs> no I, work actually, like I can't. That's... I can't say. Can I blame him? Because I don't know. I've yeah. never been in this position. No. Um, but with with Zoe, though, I mean, he does have a lot of mentors, and I think he's mm-hmm. going to you know have to realize what his role is in the NBA. And I think he'd be a fantastic point guard in the NBA. I mean, he's, he's unreal defensively. Um, he, you know, he was one of the best defenders uh, as a point guard, just in general, not even as a rookie um, last year. And I think that his shot's going to at least improve because he's going to get more open looks and he's going to not be chucking up 10 shots a game and 5.7 threes per game. I, I think he's going to become a smarter shooter at least. I can't wait to see this. Like, like, we talk Lakers and it's like, I just can't wait to see them on the floor. Like with Lonzo, he's the thing I like about him is you mentioned the defense. LeBron doesn't have to exert himself then on defense. Also, people will call me crazy. Remember the LeBron James we saw in Miami where it was like he would take off, D-Wade or someone would just chuck him the pass? That That is what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. Lonzo's just going to two-hand chuck it up, and then LeBron's just going to catch it and slam it down. Because we're going to see that 
in Showtime in LA well, we'll this year. S- we'll see that with Rondo as well. On the mm-hmm. floor. Um, Absolutely. I, I think I think with D'Angelo, the biggest thing for him, my expectation is he needs to stay healthy. Because yeah. um, like you said, he can be a guy that you know maybe averages twenty. A he game catches fire on, on this Nets team. Oh, easily. Um, I'm, I'm higher. Twenty is pretty conservative. Like twenty three is where I'm aiming at him. So you're saying he's going to take a eight point jump this year? I think that's where he could be if he. Look at his minutes. Like that was the thing. They were sharing time even when he was hurt. Like mm-hmm. if he gets up to playing like thirty-one minutes a night, then we see what he can do. Maybe thirty-two minutes. Yeah. I, he, I want he, him to be. I want him to be the star that like we all expect him to be coming out. I know. Top three I'll give you that. that he played twenty-five last year, and if you give him the per thirty-six, he averaged twenty-one. Yeah. So like I want him to be above that mark. I expect mm-hmm. him to get better this year. So for me, that's the that, that's what I'm hoping for. But Chris Dunn's the weird one. Like. Mm-hmm. Him actually getting to play with a healthy Zach Levine, a Jabari Parker, and a healthy, um, I always forget his name, Lowry Markkinen. Like, mm-hmm. those guys all out there together only got a handful of games last year. Literally a handful of games played. Obviously, Jabari wasn't there, but, like, even just the three that were on the Bulls last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Rick, them together, let's we'll see what he can actually do with a full team. Ricky, and in the first 40 games where he yeah. was truly impressive, Chris Dunn, before he broke his face against Golden State, um, he was averaging uh, 13 points per game, uh, 6.4 assists per game, 4.6 rebounds a game, 2.1 steals per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was with three turnovers, but 6.4 assists to three turnovers isn't horrible. Um, also, 32% shooting from th- uh, the th- from three and 43% from the field. Um, is that the expectations that when he's healthy, when he's you know, out there with We're the talking starters. about D'Angelo Russell. We're talking Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn, okay. Um, no, the expectation for D'Angelo Russell is yeah. 20 well, to 23 points per I game. I want to yeah. make sure we're with, on the, I'm yeah. telling you the we're right guy. Chicago D- for the last yeah. three minutes, yes. D- D'Angelo Russell, uh, his expectations, uh, 20 to 23 minutes if his minutes, in, uh, 20 mm-hmm. to 23 points if his minutes increase. Uh, Zoe becoming a smarter shooter with mentors around him. Chris Dunn, um, his expectation as a starter now, especially with what he did in the first 40 games, again, playing around 30 minutes per game, shooting 43% from the field, 32% from three, uh, six assists, four rebounds, and, and 13 points. Should that be the expectations for him on this Bulls team? I would say the expectation for me with Chris Dunn is, like, when it comes to points, maybe about between 15. I don't need numbers, like, but, like, me, you, 15 you, and 17. I, me, the bigger thing that I'm looking at is— 17 points. I mean, Look no, at our that— team. That is that's a jump. I'm looking more at that 15 number. But like for me, the bigger expectations I have is in Zach and Jabari. Like with Chris Dunn, it's like just be who you were last year, get better, show improvements. But to me, it's like he's not going to be the star of our team. It's Levine, and then like how I see it is Levine will be the one. Jabari, we're hoping, will be the number two, well, with Laurie in there, too. Um, and then Chris Dunn just has to be the facilitator that makes it all work, that scores some buckets. Like, to me, it's with Chris Dunn, just show that you can be who you were last year and then improve on it. So you're going to have 14, 17-plus point scorers and Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, <laughs> Markkinen, I, and Jabari Parker? I don't think so, but I mean, I— Bulls fans hate with me already. Fr- with a fresh 15 I am from already, Wendell Carter Jr. Oh, I am yeah. already questioning this team with the what I expect from players. They got to show me. Except Chris Dunn's the one I am the least worried about coming into this year. I, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Levine's going to be a guy mm-hmm. that puts up around 20 points. Oh, he's going to be, gonna be like, a guy that puts around 20 points. Yeah. 
marketing put up what like 17 last year mm-hmm. um, and you're that, saying yeah. that Chris Dunn's going to throw up around 17 no. and you think this team's not going to make the playoffs the they thing, have four starters putting up over 17 points per game but we're going to give up about a buck 20 yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> get outscored every game no but like for me I just I feel like the bigger questions with the Bulls is not Chris Dunn it's mainly the two guys that we gave right big so it's the expectation to. for like where he's going to be like I, I think if he just mm-hmm. honestly works on efficiency if he does like 14 7 and 5 mm-hmm. and brings you know his shooting percentage up like two points in each I would be happy I would be thrilled yeah. with that like Give me somewhere in the range of credible threat from three-point range mm-hmm. and, you know, be more efficient in two because he had a weird thing last year where um, he has his spot on the court, but, like, he was taking some weird long twos, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like, why Fred didn't, like, smack that down early in the season. I know he was playing very good early, but still, mm-hmm. like, he's got to work on his shot selection for me because he takes an incredible amount of inefficient shots. When he gets to the line, he needs to finish. Like, that's that's it. Yeah. Um, and with Reggie Jackson, the only guy we didn't talk about, what's the expectations for him? His minutes went down last year, but then also he got a little bit more efficient from the field, then dropped off the face of the earth when it came to uh, his threes, but also his assist increase, you know, playing with Andre Drummond, playing with Blake Griffin. Um, what's the expectations for Reggie Jackson? Because he's a guy that, again, came into Detroit, started averaging 18 points per game, and then we had massive expectations because this team, you know, played uh, incredibly close uh, playoff the, the basketball. The best four-game sweep uh, we've seen. Against <laughs> Cleveland, and then they've fallen off the face of the earth. What's the expectation for a guy, Reggie Jackson, who's coming into his, uh, you know, 28-year-old season? I'm going to be honest. I'm going to piss off Stan Van supporters, but... Let's see what he can do with a credible coach. Like oh. I, like I like Dwayne Casey a little bit more than I like Stan Van's tender, tenure with the Detroit Pistons. Building the wall didn't work. You're bringing in the coach of the year from last year. That is what I am most excited about with Reggie Jackson. And really this whole Pistons team is how are they going to work with Dwayne Casey now being their head coach and not Stan Van? I, go ahead, Yeah, you go, you go. Uh, I, I think the biggest question is the spacing on this team because – Reggie's guy who is struggling from yeah. the outside right now. And they, they brought in Kennard, who, yes, he is a good shooter. Yes, he looked good. Reggie Bullock, another good shooter from the outside. But that's it. You can stop there. Like, <laughs> they, they don't have sure. So I think Reggie's big thing is going to have to be, like, ball movement. And we're going to have to see what mm-hmm. Dwayne Casey can put in for an offense. Because, remember, it wasn't his offense that took Toronto to the next level. That was the guy who replaced him now. Mm-hmm. So we can. I, that's what I'm curious to see is what he can do with two bigs and a roster that literally just crowds the paint. But with that, at least, you look at what that offense used to be under Dwayne Casey, where it was heavily mid-range, and it wasn't yeah. you know, Nick Nurse's three-point shooting idea uh, where they're increasing you know, their, their three-point uh, you know, attempts. Um, maybe that does fit Reggie Jackson a little bit more because, yes, it might be a t- bunched-up old-style basketball, but you also have two massively, um, you know, mobile and, and, and athletic big man in Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Yeah. Uh, and, and you also have Reggie Jackson who can at least, you know, be physical driving the lane. Um, I, I don't know what my expectations are for him because he's not that great defensively. And I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of him just as a, a player. Um, so I can't really go out and say, you know, he's going to go out and have a great season because um, I don't truly see that in, as a middle player. But he's shown it before. Um, and also with Dwayne Casey, again, it's, it's really about spacing because outside of Kennard, yeah. outside of Bullock, um, I don't really see those those sharpshooters uh, on that team that are at least dic- indicative of, a, of an NBA team. Uh, that we've seen. So this might be a team that, you know, maybe does finish uh, 500, but this also might be a team that doesn't figure it out. And, you know, they're looking to possibly sell off some pieces 
um, because this is a team that maybe won't work because you look at the young players on this team, you have uh, Stan John, but Stan John can't shoot from the outside. Yeah, and, he just and, he could just have to can't shoot. Yeah. Well, and Stan John is a guy that, again, he's, he's 22 years old, but, again, he, he hasn't really taken that next level that you assume a guy he's that was drafted 22. that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, a guy that was drafted that high you know, he has taken. You look at Henry Ellison, he's a guy that has kind of been impressive, at least in the summer league. He was a guy that was ball handling in the summer league, bringing yeah. up the ball. I think he was you know had games of, like, you know, uh, 15 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. Like He's a guy that was you know, being a facilitator as a 6'11 forward, but then again, you don't need a 6'11 forward on this team with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Uh, you you, know, you have Langston Galloway. You have uh, John Moore. I mean, this team uh, outside of Ish Smith, because uh, we, 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 really, Ish? we don't really love any player on this team outside of Ish Smith, or yeah. maybe Luke Kennard. Um, I, like, I like them both, but I'm realistic. I know neither one of them is a star in the I, league. I think the, the expectations for Reggie Jackson is the same as the Pistons team is. We don't know yeah. yet because this team is, is they're, just they're somewhere in that like eight through ten range, probably. Very least. cloudy is what yep. I'll say for the future of Reggie Jackson and, and uh, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, but let's move into the guys that we talked about, the guys that are you know going to be all star caliber or guys that have been consistent starters in the league. Obviously, Collinson. Uh, and, and Jeff Teague have been guys that have been starters throughout the league. Uh, and then you look at Jamal Murray. You look at, uh, you know, uh, Mike Conley. These are guys that, uh, at least Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is going to be a future All-Star. And guys like Mike Conley are, you know, past All-Stars. Um, what are the expectations for uh, with some of these guys in here? Just pick a player and, and talk about the guy that you like the most out of uh, Teague, Murray, Collinson, Ruby Elplet, or Conley. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm the biggest fan out of probably Murray. Like, his shooting's insane. He is just... That team shooting is insane. I'll give them credit. But, like, Mm -hmm. Murray looks like he can be, like, a legitimate scoring weapon. Offensively, he's there. Defensively, that team needs... They need need Jesus. Like, they need something special. (laughs) They need Jesus. But at the same time, when you watch him run point, and even when he runs off guard at two, like, he is smooth. His shot is silky. It's everything we saw out of him in college. And I'm so happy that he's been able to thrive in this system. Like, I think that was a, like right fit right team right time kind of situation Mm -hmm. where everything just clicks and we're seeing him so early in his career come to like this level like we've got him ranked at what 15 like when you're the 15th best shooting guard and you're that young it's just it's it's incredibly impressive for me. Well, and then with that too is just talking about the shooting of that team. The, the three guy, I mean, I'll throw. I mean, Millsap isn't really offensively. The three big guys offensively for them are Harris, Murray, and Jokic. And yep. you look at what they did. Uh, Harris, Harris last year scoring seventeen points per game, and that was with a true shooting. Um, I just had it. Where was it? Uh, tr- that's with a true shooting of fifty nine point uh, seven. You look at Jamal Murray, sixteen points last year, and that's with a true shooting of fifty seven point six. And then you look at Jokic averaging eighteen point five, and that's with a true shooting of sixty point. I mean, yeah. you have guys that are massively efficient. That's because of great ball movement on this team. And Jamal Murray is a guy with space, and even not with space, can knock down threes uh, you know, extremely well. And this is a guy that is just going to get better. He's going to get better, uh, smarter. He's going to get more physical. And you know, even though he did shoot only you know what thirty seven percent from three last year, even though that's uh, uh, only thirty seven above the average. Well, what I'm saying I is I think that's going to end up being your 40 yeah. this year. And I think this guy is going to be near a 20-point scorer this year. I have massively high expectations for Jamal Murray. I absolutely love the Denver Nuggets this year. Jokic is an unstoppable force. He's you, yeah. you, There isn't you know seven-footers who can handle the ball like he can, shoot it from the outside. Um, he's an offensive weapon. Um, out there, you know, you look at Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is, you know, a, a great defensive the monster. Two, yeah, he's and, a two-way player, and, and and a little a more of a two-way player than Jokic for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, you look at uh, Joe's defense. 
ultra impressive. Yeah. Where you look at Nikola Jokic, ultra impressive yes. offensively. Yeah. Um, absolute monster. And again, this kid's only what twenty one years old now. Uh, no, Jokic is uh. Jokic is 23. Murray's 21. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team is massively young. It's going to get better. And I, I have massive expectations for Jamal Murray. Um, outside of Murray, though, who do you have expectations for? Ricky, I've got or two. Who are you interested in? I've got two. I'm going to throw out um, Collison and then Mike Conley. And mm. the reason why I'm looking at these two is with Collison, it's easy. Like, first off, this Pacer team kind of showed everyone up this year where they're like, hey, we are a respectable team. Vic can actually ball out because I don't think anyone had as high of expectations after he got traded to the Pacers. Who even lost he, that trade, Even really? he was low on himself coming yeah. into Indianapolis. The big thing I look at Collison, though, like you look at the numbers and it's like he's not blowing you off the page. But the thing that I love the most, and this will come down this year, but how far will it come down he was shooting 46%, almost 47 from three. Like, in this day and age, like, if you can shoot that, perfect. You'll be great again this year. The only question is, I don't. that's the best he's ever shot from three. I don't think he puts up a, 45, or a 46% clip from three this year. I, I will say, Darren Collison, and we, we talked about it, you, know, mm-hmm. you say it's, it's ridiculous how well he shot. Um, from the outside, but also you look at his past three years, um, he has an average true shooting of 59%, mm-hmm. and, and last year it was at 61, which is yeah. elite, yeah. Um, weirdly enough. But again, it's, it's on yeah. a, a low amount of, of, of shots, and he's a guy that, again, is taking his spots, picking his shots. Um, and this, he's on a team that I think is going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I already mm-hmm. said it. That was before the Kawhi trade, but I'm not backing out because I'm not a bitch. <laughs> um, but it, it's something that's going to be tough now. With Sean will put Boston his car on Toronto. the line. Uh, yeah, but will. no, I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, but with Collinson, he's a guy that again, he's a very smart player. Um, he's not going to be massively impressive. I don't think mm-hmm. he's ever going to be an All Star. Yeah, uh, at least that's, again. That's why they brought in Reek, you know, to help mm-hmm. out. Because honestly, like I looked at that team last year in the playoffs, and yes, Vic was amazing, but he needed a second set of hands out there because you weren't getting enough. Like and that's the thing. Like I don't think Darren can carry the load of being a higher volume shooter. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of falls in that George Hill range where it's like you are an efficient player and that's great and you can play some decent defense, but you're not going to be the guy who helps carry us to something better. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I just feel like that's always going to be his role. He's always mm-hmm. going to be like a middling kind of point guard. Yeah, and it's funny because you say a guy that can carry us, and that's the second guy that I'm looking at, Mike Conley, because ah. he's a guy where I looked at our last three rankings since we'd started keeping track of these. And it's Mike Conley in 2016 rankings. We all had him at 9. He ended at 9. Then in 2017, 8, 9, 10. He ended at 9. This year goes a little lower. He was injured last year. (laughs) 10, 11, 12. He ends at 11. And for me with Mike Conley, what I want to see this year is I want to see 2016, 2017 Mike Conley. Yeah, he he didn't play a full season, but he played 69 games. Give me that kind of a season where you're scoring 20 points per game, and then I can believe that this Grizzly team could be in the playoffs like they were that year, like I predicted them to be at the beginning of last year, but then he got injured. I don't really need the numbers, per se, with Mike Conley. I just need to see the number of games played, and I think mm-hmm. he'll be fine. He's, well, he's, a guy, he's a guy that's extremely— He's a guy that's extremely mm-hmm. consistent, but he, he like Darren, but, but unlike Darren Collinson, he's more near that All Star level, and, yeah. and that's the thing that you know, I think he can get you know somewhere to eighteen to twenty points, and, mm-hmm. and when he's healthy, no problem. He's a guy that's a great shooter from the outside, and he's a guy that can drive, and also he's so great at passing where guys are going to at least give him some respect to possibly attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something that uh, with 
Mike Conley, the numbers are going to be there. It's just the number of games played that are going to be the biggest thing for me and how he bounces back from an injury uh, and and how he bounces back specifically from this injury. I agree with the sense that the numbers are going to be there. The only one, obviously, that will change because this is the points, and that's the big thing because, like, I look back to just a year before that, 2015-2016, had about the same assists. He went up a little bit in rebounds, but the big thing is – the, I want to see the percentages that he had in 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. where he was shooting 4% better and was shooting 40% yep. from three, where he was shooting a 46% from the feet, or from two that year. And obviously, if you make more well, baskets, you're going to get more points. And the biggest thing with Mike Conley, too, is we have saw this with Boogie, is that he has had problems with his ankles and yeah. even at Achilles uh, at some point. And we know that the guys really don't bounce back as well as they do. And with Mike Conley being, I think, closing in on 31, um, it's it's yep. going to be tough for him to recover and bounce back. But hey, if, I think if he gets those game minutes played, or uh, you know the games played, I think that's going to be the, the the biggest thing for him. And I think he's at least going to be this, a very similar mm-hmm. player uh, to what he was before. And with the Grizzlies being kind of new look, Dave, you got Kyle Anderson, you have uh, obviously Marcus Saul, who will be healthy this year. You have Jaron Jackson. Uh, mm. What, what, what should be the expectations for this team if Mike Conley's healthy? I mean, if everybody's healthy and everybody performs, they've got a shot. And again, the, the West is so messed up because everyone's got a shot in the playoffs. <laughs> like, I'll just say that, but I'll be like, even the Phoenix Suns? It's literally 1 through 15 because <laughs> not the Phoenix Suns. Uh, no, it might be the Kangs, but Sorry, like, Z. we're just doing that. Uh, no, like, they have legitimately what it takes to be a playoff team. They've got two great players who are very good in their position between center and uh, point guard, then you have to see how Kyle Anderson will adapt to this offense because Kyle Anderson is one of the most fun players to watch, but that's purely from his play style. So how does he fit in on this team? Don't know. How does Jaron Jackson fit? Obviously, he's a freaking monster on the defensive end and from the offensive side when he was stroking the three. I mean, that's you're not going to get that out of anybody is when you Mm -hmm. can play elite defense near the rim and and be able to go out on the perimeter as well. So... I think that they're probably going to end up just outside the playoffs, uh, but this is a team that has what it takes to make it in at least. They they could con- compete for that eight spot, that seven spot, the best in my mind. But it's just they're a weird team to place for me. Yeah, and I think with Memphis, I just I have so much distrust in that organization just because I, I don't oh, think yeah. they've been even with uh, the new rebrand. They're like the least sexy team. Okay, the, <laughs> minus the rebrand. You minus just, the rebrand because yeah. that rebrand is. Extremely sexy. Minus the name, um, under. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's the one thing I don't like, and all this is just a little side. The Thunder we got do that too. The number with the name, but on some right? jerseys, not all the yeah. jerseys. Um, I, I think it's just on the. I just remember seeing Durant. The I think white it's jerseys just on the it. alternates that they mm-hmm. do the the number, then the name, the name underneath. Um, that's just a side rant. I hate. <laughs> give me the name first, and then the number. Like, it, yeah, or it's New always York, been that. Or New York Yankees, just give me no, the number. It's give about me the, the team. Team. This isn't a it's fucking about the grade team, school. Sean. Put money into your jerseys and give me the name in the back. Yikes. Come on. What if we just go no numbers? Let's just go names. Like, oh, you need numbers. Oh, that'd be awful. I just uh, put the some big put, three idea if, right there. If you're designing jerseys, put the name and then the number. All right, I don't care if this is an old man thing about me. Every name ref, the like, number. As soon as you said no numbers, every ref watching was like, "No, don't do that." <laughs> well, they don't can have do it on the that. front, 
<laughs> front only. Um, but just side rant. Sorry about that. Um, but Mike Conley, I think you know you're, you're right. They're not a sexy team. The Grizzlies no. have never been a sexy team. Um, and, but it, it's how are they going to get away from the grit and grind days? Because you still have some of the lingering uh, players from that, like yep. Mike Conley and, and Marcus. But you still have some young guys that are extremely impressive. Jaron Jackson, um, who is the exact opposite of grit and grind. Um, you look at Dylan Brooks, who was extremely impressive last year. Yeah. Um, Kyle Anderson, a guy that kind of fits into a typical Memphis Grizzly player, um, you know, which is a very all well-rounded player. Yep. Um, but again, I, I don't know what the expectations are for them. But if Mike Conley's healthy, uh, they they should be at least bumped up a little bit. Um, any final players that you want to talk about? Really, the only ones we didn't talk about were Jeff Teague, Eric Bledsoe, and Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio. He was dope. <laughs> like I think that he, he's fine. He's fine. He's, he's fine. He had a great revenge year. Like this was the like screw Ricky Rubio. You sound like Chris Mannix. I don't. I don't know. Listen to Chris Mannix, but so with I don't more know hair. What... He's got more hair than Mannix yeah, right Chris now. Mannix just got a head shake. No, him and Dan Patrick about. always fight uh, about. Yeah. DP. Well, him and him Mannix and DP always fight about that. Ricky Rubio is a great player. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I don't think he's a great player. I think he's a good player, and I think he had a good year because he was inspired to, and he was put around guys who were awesome, awesomely talented. Except when him. Russ said, "I'm going to shut him down," and then lost the game. I mean. That that didn't happen, but <laughs> the point being that during the playoffs, and again, he got hurt, and that's when you saw the change in the way this team mm-hmm. operated. But like when he was in there, his plus minus was in, was ridiculous for this team. He was he was awesome on this team, great facilitator, good leader, and honestly, his shooting game stepped up. He's doing everything he needed to to continue improving himself. Well, and the yeah. thing I was going to throw in, it's we kind of mentioned this with uh, D'Angelo. Yep. I kind of want to see Ricky Rubio succeed because it's like he was a top pick. With the T Wolves, his T Wolves career wasn't exactly he got what we shit expected. On for not being able to shoot the ball. Exactly, and it's like now that he's having good things with the Jazz, I'm like, I love, I love seeing well, Ricky Rubio succeed with the Jazz. And I think that's where I probably come into being a hypocrite. Where you know, it, the biggest criticism of him was he couldn't shoot the ball. Um, 2016, 2017, he only shot 30 percent from three. Yep. So then mm-hmm. he has this revenge year, comes back and shoots 35 percent from three. And but then the biggest thing that I look at is like, oh, he wasn't the same player. Because he, you know, he went from a guy that averaged near like eight assists per game mm-hmm. down to five point three, and right. also he didn't take down his turnovers there. So that's the one thing where I was like, I mean, you you kind of became a worse offensive player because you didn't use your best abilities, which is your passing. I um, mean, and I understand that defense is pretty good too, though. Yeah, no, he he was a better defender. Yeah, um, but he was also on a better defensive team as well. That's a much yeah. better defensive team. So where are you getting the easy assists from on this team is the problem. Like mm-hmm. that early in the year, you didn't have guys like Cat or Wiggins. You could just feed the ball to and mm-hmm. get easy points. So I mean, it's different system, obviously, with Donovan Mitchell developing. Like you know, there will be opportunity going forward. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but like Rubio, I think he's going to be consistently always in this range, like a Mike Conley, like an Eric Bledsoe, tend to like agree, yeah. like a Jeff Teague. Yeah. I mean, it, it's something that I, I think we always have high star, expectations but, for him because yeah. of the hype that came out of Ricky right. Rubio um, from, from Spain and also going in front of Steph Curry. Being, who we'll talk yeah, about one of the two people later. Um, but anyways, uh, that's going to wrap it up for uh, 20 through 11, and I think we should just jump into the top 10. Sorry, Eric Bledsoe, for dissing you. We didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't mention you at all. But that was because Sean whatever. hates you. I don't hate him, but the Bucks are boring without Giannis. I mean, outside of Giannis, I don't really care about the Bucks. No offense. Disrespect Chris Mid. I, I always defend Chris Mid. I know, that's I disrespect thing, him. Though. That's why it's funny. I always defend Chris Mid. I don't know. They just didn't fit around Giannis, <laughs> and I, I, I want to see what Bud does with this team. So I don't want to give harsh criticism to a kind of a new team. Um, and, and a new look team. Also, they go out and trade for Bledsoe, and then they become worse. So that's the thing that, like, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Eric Bledsoe. Shout out to Eric Bledsoe. Well, let's jump into the top ten, and we are going to do something a little bit different this year. 
um, that we just did. We, we did, we, yeah, we came out. Came. I just came up with this two seconds ago. Um, what we're gonna do, like the mock draft, we're gonna give our personal top tens, and then we're gonna come out with the graphics and give the official top ten. So, Ricky, give us your top ten so people know where you put people where and where they can yell at you for saying you had. Yada yada at six yeah, instead of seven. It's funny because I look at number nine on my list, and he was literally in the last segment that we talked about. But this is why starting, I want to mention it. Starting at number ten, I've got Toronto Raptor Kyle Lowry. Then at number nine, Darren Collison, who I just talked about from the Indiana Pacers. Then number eight, Ben Simmons from the Seventy Sixers. What did I say that was funny? Darren Collison. Yeah, Carlson. in fact, you Derek Carlson in your top ten. Yeah, okay. I smacked myself. Yeah, I did. Well, I looked and I was like, "All right, did I say something stupid?" But nope. Ben Simmons, number eight, seventy sixers. John Wall, the Washington Wizard, at number seven. Kemba Walker at number six. Charlotte Hornets. Dame Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers, number five. CP3 getting injured all the time from the Rockets. He's at number four. Kyrie Irving of the Celtics at three. Also getting injured all the time. Also getting injured all the time. Russ at two. And then still the king of my point guards for the third year in a row, Steph Curry. I own your shoes. Has he not been the king of the point guards Probably for any one. of us? Oh, Dave, you had, him at, you had Russ last year. At number one. Trip yeah. double. Uh, give Did us, it again. Give us your, and he's he's lower for he doing it again. <laughs> yep. uh, give us your top ten. Not as cool as the second time around. Uh, Kyle Lowry, number ten. Goran Dragic, the all-star at number nine. Ben Simmons, the non-all-star at number eight. Uh, Dame Lillard at seven because <laughs> he choked in the playoffs. Kemba Walker at six. John Wall, number five. Injuries regardless. Kyrie Irving at four. Chris Paul, three. Russell, triple-double. Westbrook at two. Steph Curry won. The sequel sucked. Dave, I don't want to. I don't want to hear that disrespect for uh, Ben Simmons. You might offend some people out there, mainly Jake. Looking at you, Jake. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with what Dave. There's said. nothing disrespectful. It was no, just that was the way happened. he was like the all star, the non all star. Who was the 2017 NBA all star? Right. All right, or Andrade. Right. Are you getting who mad at me for stating facts? A 2017 Jake. This is, is yes. not fake news, people. <laughs> Here's my top 10. Number 10, I have Mike Conley. It's where he deserves to be in the top 10. Number 9, we have Kyle Lowry. At number 8, we have Ben Simmons. At number 7, we have Kemba Walker. At 6, we have John Wall. At 5, we have Dame Lillard. 4, we have Kyle Lowry, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, at 3, we have Chris Paul. 2, we have Russ Westbrook. And at 1, we have Steph Curry. And then for the official rankings, uh, this is where we put all of those Did uh, you want a drum roll together. and then you didn't confidently yeah, did put a in bit. a drum roll? Uh, okay. Then for uh, the official ranking. Well, I don't want to do it too loud because then it actually picks up on the mic. It sounds horrible. Um, but then now for the official uh, rankings where we take all those top 10s and all the numbers and all the you know position rankings and put them into a list. At number 10 of the Miami Heat, we have Goran Dragic. At number 9, we have Kyle Lowry of the Toronto Raptors. At 8, we have Ben Simmons of the 76ers. At 7, we have Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets. At 6, we have John Wall. At number 6, we have mm-hmm. John Wall of the Washington Wizards. At 5, we have Dame Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Shut up. At 4, we have Kyrie <laughs> Irving of the Boston Celtics. At 3, we have Chris Paul of the Houston Rockets. At 2, we have Russ Westbrook of the OKC Thunder. And at 1, we have Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. The biggest thing that I did want to throw out there, outside of Darren Collison being at 9, um, was the fact that John Wall is... Uh, ranked, I feel, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky, you had him below Kemba Walker, and Dave, you had him, I think, properly ranked, at least having him at, at five. But why do you have John Wall below Kemba Walker? I just, for me, coming into this year from last year, I'm just personally, this people could say I'm biased, I'm just coming off of injury, I'm not high on John Wall. I feel like, if you look at it, he is definitely, to me, at the highest you can have him is six. 
I don't think he's a top five point guard coming into this Blasphemy. year. Blasphemy. I think it's Steph, Russ, Kyrie, Chris Paul, and then Dame, or you could make the argument for maybe a Kemba Walker, okay. but Dame would be the one that I'd put in there. Those are the five, any order you want. Here's what I want to say uh, mm-hmm. about that is that um, here is John Wall after he returned from injury because mm-hmm. um, he was stupid good. Um, the game against Cleveland, he played 38 minutes, uh, shot 50% from the field, 40% from three, uh, then had 14 assists and 28 points. Then against Boston, so two playoff teams, 36 uh, minutes played, 56 from the field, 80% from three, 12 uh, assists, three steals, and 29 points. And then in the playoffs, he averaged 26 points, uh, 11.5 assists, 2.3 steals, 1.3 blocks, uh, five boards, shot uh, 44% from the field, and had a bad uh, 19% from three. But John Wall wasn't bad when he no. came back oh, from I'm not injury. saying he's bad. I just like Kemba Walker and Damian Lillard over him. Sure, you like guys who just aren't as good as him. Yeah, that's him. the thing is, John Wall is, I think, arguably a, a top five mm-hmm. uh, point guard. Uh, he's... Just outside at six, mm-hmm. um, I put him outside at six too. I dame over him, uh, but I, I look the, at John Wall, and I mean John Wall is one of the best facilitators. Mm-hmm. Has been one of the best facilitators Say, like, in, in the league for the past four years, um, and is a guy that can get you twenty points per game. And uh, Kemba can't do that. Another thing too, and this is not everything that went into it, but it kind of to me was like whoa when I saw it, where it's like for the entire year, and I know he was injured and only played forty-one games. You had John Wall at like a nineteen point two per. And then you had Dame at 25, you had Kemba a little bit higher at 20, and that was like one where I could see me switching Kemba and John Wall, but I wouldn't put him in the top five coming into well, this year. And the biggest thing, at least for me, Dave, because you had mm-hmm. John Wall above Dame, yeah. and, and you, uh, this is something where we can kind of get into. You, and you I don't... read off John Wall's playoff stats. Mm-hmm. Damian Lillard's Dave's not just, as flattering. Dave's just no. upset that Damian Lillard got but shut down by Rondo last here's year. Here's the thing that Andrew I do want to I, I want to throw out, and I don't want this to come into the Colin Coward argument of John Wall because his oh, um, his argument borders on racism and uh, just being a, a bigot. Ignorance, um, yes. But with John Wall, I feel like he isn't that guy that he, he can put up stats. He can be a guy that you know comes out there every single day. But I don't think he's a guy that at least adds that leadership to a team like Dame does. Not saying he isn't a great leader, but I think Dame, there is something about him where he carries a presence uh, about him. He goes out there and, and he comes out and, and he consistently leads his team to the playoffs. And maybe this is a more uh, a beneficial, uh, you know, at least more, uh, at least uh, showing of his coach. Um, and Terry Stotts rather than, you know, Scott Brooks. But I, I just see that, you know, Dame's team consistently wins more. Um, they consistently go out there. They have mm-hmm. better records in a better conference in the Western Conference. And then you look at John Wall. They're a team that, again, is, you know, yep. lower half of the Eastern Conference. Um, and, and, again, maybe this is because of their 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 coaching. But yeah. they, it's not like they have drastically different um, rosters. But if no, you look at Bradley Beal and C.J. McCollum, they're two duos, very similar players in that aspect as well. And arguably, they're probably better fits next to each other as well. Um, you know, Beal is a great cheer, you know, working off ball against John Wall. And obviously, you know, uh, C.J. can be a guy that, you know, passes and, and helps uh, Dame as well. So it's something that, uh, what, what do you think the difference between those two is where you have John Wall above him? I put Dame above John Wall because of his leadership, or at least um, his perceived um, leadership. Why do you have John Wall above Dame? I have John Wall above Dame because I think that he is the better facilitator. I think he, at times, can be a better leader. The problem with John Wall is that he is someone who voices his frustration publicly to his team, and that can be seen as immature and maybe not the right way to do things. Like, Mm -hmm. at times he can be better, at times he can be worse. So I'll give you that. Like, the public perception of Dame being a guy for Portland, 100% agree. Like, he is that guy. The problem for me is I look at John Wall and I go, you are 
on this team and you have like you had the best pick and roll guy in Marcin Gortat, like you guys hated each other and you still played this well. Mm-hmm. And you're pointing up with a guy, Bradley Beal, who is immature, just as immature as you, if not more. And you're both arguing over who's the most alpha. Like you've got all this internal drama. And I think you hit on a point with the coaching and maybe the coach being a huge factor here because someone like, uh, I can't even remember names, uh, Stotts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Terry Stotts is the coach yeah. of the Blazers. Yeah. yeah, someone like Terry Stotts. You know, you don't hear much coming out of that. I don't know if this is because we're, you know, we don't get a lot of West Coast media, but I don't hear as much about drama coming out of that team as I do about the fights and the issues going on in Washington. That always seems very public. That always seems to come up every year for the last three years. We've heard some mm-hmm. sort of rumblings of unhappiness. And obviously the Otto Porter contract last year where they're going to get the, like, awfulness but but even then with, he's an efficient player but even then with portland they have a terrible contract and have a turn oh they, they have like and even my terrible and Myers Leonard as well. yeah that's their problem so no i think it's a it's an awesome comparison the one thing i will give credit to dame is if there's anyone who goes shot for shot with somebody like you know steph it is dame mm-hmm. the problem is that in the playoffs literally the last thing i remember seeing was him just being absolutely wrecked and like to the point where he was discouraged enough where they're playing like 4v5 offense and CJ was the one who actually stepped up. And CJ was the guy who became a leader mm-hmm. during that playoff series. And instead, that's that's not what I want to see out of my leader. But even then, that was one playoff series that lasted, what, four games, right? Yeah, it was a sweep. That, and that, that says something. But, but let's go back to the 2014 playoffs where Dame is the guy out there hitting the game-winning shot over a team that was led by James Harden and was Dwight the, Howard. the Rocket one? Yeah, the Rocket yeah. one where he, where he you know he gets the inbound and he hits mm-hmm. that miraculous shot it's recency and gets bias, the winner. Sean. Let me have my recency but, bias. But is it recency bias that he is, in, again, a leader in the playoffs? Or, or, or can you say that throughout his career? I can't say it throughout his career because it like okay, it's, so it's it is results. Bias. I said it is. Let <laughs> okay, me have my okay, recency okay. bias. Just you just sure. talked about John Wall popping off during the playoffs, having having great series is towards this, the end of the year. This is heading into the season, so it is. Fair. It's the last mess, mm-hmm. last ah, lasting memory, lasting memory in my head is John Wall being out there mm-hmm. doing everything he can, even like last year uh, playoffs where he was out, like he had nothing left, and he's out there trying as hard as he can to fight and struggle to keep that Washington team alive. And you felt for him because you know it wasn't going. You knew he wasn't feeling a shot, but he was still taking every shot that he could to try to keep them in there. Where Dame, when his team was down and out, was like walking back on defense, walking back on offense even, Mm -hmm. and letting CJ carry the load and letting CJ try to lead that team back into it. So that's the kind of difference that I saw between the last two years. That's fair. Um, I I think that, again, the John Wall-Dame is close. Yes, absolutely. I mean, these these are like... Personal preference, mm-hmm. splitting mm-hmm. hairs kind of thing. But here's the thing is that, and this is weird because I pride myself on being a Kemba Walker fanboy. Yeah. I pride myself on my love of Kemba Walker. It's true. I had the Kemba Walker the lowest. And Ricky, you had uh, John Wall below Kemba Walker. And mm-hmm. Dave, you had Damian Lillard below Kemba Walker. Yeah. What am I missing on Kemba Walker? Because I feel at least Dame and John Wall are on a different level than He needs Kemba more Walker. centers to pass to. That well, was the goal. The thing with Kemba Walker is like, the thing I love about the Dame John Wall discussion yeah. is like while you guys were arguing, I was looking at like how their teams have done since they've gotten there. Mm-hmm. They're eerily similar. Like uh, they're literally one, the East and West Coast teams once, of each other. Once they started like making the playoffs, because like John Wall came in 2010, it was 13, 14, 12th in the East. Then it's like a fifth seed, a fifth seed, yeah, 10th seed. Then a four <laughs> seed, an eighth seed. You look at Portland, an 11 seed Dame's rookie year, then 5 4 5 8 3. Like, yep. where last year was the best that they have finished with Dame on that team. And I mean, with Kemba Walker, I look at it like 
The true shooting last year was better. The purr was a little bit better. So that's why really the big thing with me with that was Lillard compared to John Wall. The thing with Kemba Walker I think people just overlook is he is on a worse team than Dame and John By Wall. Far, yeah. And I am I am going to start with Kemba Walker not holding – I know they got Mitch Kupchak now, but I'm not going to hold Michael Jordan's mistakes against Kemba Walker. But they also rely more on John Wall and Dame Lillard. I mean, they have higher usages than Kemba Walker. So it's not like – I mean, Kemba Walker isn't a guy that is getting massive usage numbers. He's mm-hmm. never had a usage over 30 where John Which Wall and bizarre, Dame have. Yeah. So it's something where, again, he isn't seen, in, at least in the offenses that he's been working in prior. Um, this could change with the, with a new head coach uh, in Charlotte. Um, he's never been seen as a guy that is going to be consistently uh, dominate, being a doll, ball dominant guy. And, but and, and, the and with two my, guys we're talking about, like you said, Damon, John Wall. You use the word alpha, word Kemba. We're not using well, that word. And, that's, and I think the reason why, and this isn't a disrespect to Kemba Walker, because again, I love him. Yeah. Um, but I think the Dame and John Wall are superstars. I mean, John Wall is a guy that has been consistently in the spotlight since his Kentucky days. Mm-hmm. Dame is a, a, mm-hmm. a focal point athlete for Adidas. I mean, all the guys above him, too, are, are guys that have big shoe deals. I mean, Chris Paul is a, a guy that is a yeah. massive superstar. Russ, clearly, um, massive superstar. And Steph is the face of Under Armour, even though that doesn't speak too much um, <laughs> with, with the way that they've been going. Um, but again, I mean, really, Kemba isn't that superstar You're level. Right. He's like low key, really good though. That's the sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's always flown under the radar. He's a since star, his not a superstar. Yeah, and that's, I, I think the team makeup makes a lot out of it. But the fact that when you see point, like usually, if there's one position that you can take your team to the next level on on your mm-hmm. own back, it's point guard. It's ball in my hands. I'm gonna do this. We saw it in the early days. And I don't want to make any like direct player comparisons. More of just this is a point guard who was able to do it on their own kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you looked at the AI days when. He was one point guard. His usage went through the roof, and he carried a team of role players into the playoffs. Yep. And when you see guys able to do something like that, I look at Kemba Walker, and I look at his usage. You brought up, I didn't even realize how low it was up until you brought it up, mm-hmm. was why aren't they running offense to him? Why isn't he let, like giving the reins to just do things? Like I don't mm-hmm. understand I don't understand this team's decision-making with a lot of things, but like even on the court, you know, yep. when are we going to see, are we going to see him this year? getting more reins because this is his contract year pretty much where it's like can we can we sell high to get rid of you know batum and something yeah. you know i, I mean I don't know he's in a weird place if it speaks too much i mean he is the leading uh scorer in the history of the the charlotte hornets i mean it's Whoop-de-doo. not too great of a history i mean the wizards do have a little bit about more deeper deeper history in portland who does as well with them you know bill walton and, and um Clyde, obviously, there as well. Mm-hmm. These guys are so similar, but I think the one thing that does kind of separate them is that star factor. And Kemba, his biggest star factor was his college days, mm-hmm. was that run he had in, at UConn, um, where you know Dame has that big shot in the playoffs, where Dame has you know, been a, a 27-point scorer. Yeah. Um, and, and John Wall has consistently been in the spotlight and consistently been a playoff uh, performer. 20-10 and 10 guy for so, three years in a row. I mean, yeah. that's said something. I just think that John Wall is... I don't know. I don't know if John Wall's disrespected. I think Kemba Walker might be a little bit overrated. But then again, it you know kind of worked itself out in the actual rankings. Yeah. Where, uh, it went Dame, John Wall, and then Kemba. Uh, next guy I want to talk about is Ben Simmons. We have him at eight. Um, you know, sophomore player, highest sophomore that we have. Uh, I think he's the youngest player um, mm-hmm. that we have this high as well. Um, next yeah. closest would probably be Jamal Murray. 
Um, but Ben Simmons is still even younger than uh, Jamal Murray. Is it too high for Ben Simmons being at eight? Because technically he is not, uh, he's not a, point, a traditional point guard. I um, mean, just because he's 6'11", 11, doesn't mean he's not traditional. It's just weird. He's just Magic Johnson-esque. That's all. Yeah. Like, except he can't shoot, which, no. like, he needs to Magic work. wasn't a great shooter to start no, his Magic could, either. You're right, actually. That's that's a good point. Um, I think the free throw line is the scariest thing. Like, if he can get <laughs> over his uh, shot rope, like, because the free throw line, that's just repetition. Once you get into mm-hmm. a groove, you go. That's if something you can train yourself. If he doesn't have the yips at the free throw line? I don't think it's the yips. I think it's just he needs to get comfortable with a, a clean shot because he never developed an outside shot. Mm-hmm. So when he got forced to go to the line, he doesn't have, like, a go-to mm-hmm. move that, like, he's in a comfort zone. So I think if he can get that free throw percentage up, I'm less afraid. If he can develop a you know a better outside game, great. Do I think he needs to be a three-point shooter at 30%? No. I mm-hmm. weirdly think that, like, he can get by for another year without having a, a, a shot from three-point. Well, like, the, the biggest thing with him is, is that he can he, he's already a top-ten point guard yeah. mm-hmm. without having an outside shot. That's the yeah. weirdest the, thing ever. The thing is, is that if he develops an outside shot, then he might jump into, and this might be at least somewhat crazy to say, but he might jump into top three territory because of... Wow. Be, well, yeah. but think about it. I mean, no, he no, is, you're, he's, you're right. Because Chris he was Paul, a, another year older. An elite defender uh, this year. Um, yeah. He's a better defender than Steph, a better defender than Ross. A lot of people are friends. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but again, he's... Yeah, he you're wins, trying to go he, for the top three. I yeah, I'm, just, I'm trying to at least compare him. Um, not a better defender than Chris Paul. I'm, I'm never going to take that away, even though Chris Paul is slower. Um, but, but, you know, Chris, I mean, Ben Simmons has shown his ability of, you know, being a dominant ball passer of being an unstoppable force driver of the rim. I mean, I'm not saying that it's ever going to happen, but if he develops an outside shot and can shoot, you know, rust levels of shooting, he might end up being a a top, you know, three, three point guard, because not only if he develops a shot, that's going to be easier for him to drive to the basket. Yeah. I was was just saying for this next year, I don't know if he's going to have a clear three point shot. If he develops a three point shot. I think he's going to get there. And I think he will be a top three point guard in the league. A hundred percent. I believe that. Well, my question is, and this is what I was thinking, kind of to go more towards you, because I feel like eight is the highest you can have Ben Simmons. Because how I'm going to change what I said a little bit, because I'm going to move Dame a little bit, but how I see our like rankings is for me personally, the top four, they're solidified in any order you want. Steph, Russ, Kyrie, and Chris. Then the next three, any order you want, Lillard, Walker, Wall, then Ben Simmons. My question for this year is will we see enough from Ben Simmons to where not necessarily breaking into that top four, but Will next year, when we're at this time, will he be in the Wall Walker Lillard range to where it's like we've put him into where maybe he jumps a John Wall, maybe he jumps a Kemba Walker, and he's then knocking on the door to the top four? I don't know what it's going to take for Ben Simmons next year to jump those players. That's the thing that I, I look at because. Ben Simmons, again, this was technically his rookie year, mm-hmm. um, at least his first year in the NBA. Uh, I'll say that because I don't want to piss people Utah. off with saying that. Yeah, well, um, he wasn't a rookie. Just any people. Because Donovan Mitchell uh, well, he didn't was, win because he he's not the best rookie. rookie of the year, so uh, yeah. he was a rookie. Um, mm, Donovan Mitchell. Okay, but one was, but he was rookie worse. of the year, and it's Ben Simmons. I'm just backing up my friends in Utah. Okay. And we're just well, saying he was worse than Ben Simmons in his rookie year. And well, and one has the rookie of the year title on Ben Simmons. Yep. Um, but, again, I don't know what he can do to at least become – a top mm-hmm. five point guard, or at least get into that wall, Lillard and Walker area. Does it mean he needs to become more efficient and shoot 60% from the field and, again, become better at the free throw line and 
take down I mean, his if turnovers. If he up the free throw line, maybe, that's gonna get him up to like you know 19 points a game range just from nailing a couple more shots. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I look at him and I think he can easily be. Like a but twenty is it, is it nine like a and nine point guy. total that he needs to get to? Like that's the thing no, is like but he's at what, sixteen, eight and eight? Uh right? Uh, sixteen, yeah, sixteen, eight and eight. That's disgusting. Can we sixteen, just say, eight like, and eight <laughs> near two steals and near a block a game. Yeah. That's fucking disgusting. But with three point four turnovers. I and no shot. Oh, 3.4. But turnovers. I'm saying that's again that we're talking about like three to one ratio. We, we like, need to we need to nitpick when it comes to you top ten. I you know? know. You're right, you're right. But the thing I'm looking at is going if he can score a little more, I could see him jumping Kemba because mm. I think that his team, by virtue of being a better team, he will be in the playoffs. He will have more chances to prove himself. I think that Kemba's the low man on the totem pole. And again, we talked about this. He, he has a shitty team. He's not a superstar. Ben Simmons, quiet, but he is incredibly popular. And I think that's going to keep growing because I think his team's going to keep winning. The biggest thing, too, for Ben Simmons. You're saying who he's dating? His usage was only oh. two point or twenty two point three. <laughs> I totally forgot about so, that. I mean, he had a, <laughs> yeah, that's a five percent difference between Kemba Walker. Yeah. So if his usage does go up to near that twenty seven percent range, and and they give him those ranges, yeah, him and Joe is the weirdest combo that yeah. works right now because they both have to play inside mostly. Yes, I know Joe has an outside shot, but still, like that's it's nothing majorly yeah, efficient. It's it's not it's not worth it yet. So. I know they're reliant on JJ. They were last year. His outside shooting was key for them. So, yes, if Ben Simmons continues to kind of slide that usage over from JJ to him, dude, this could, he he's already something special. Like, I can't yeah. not gush about this. I wish Jake was on just to, <laughs> just clip Jake. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Ben Simmons. I, 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 I want to see more from Ben Simmons because he was fantastic to watch consistently. And I think consistency is going to be a big key for him. But um, it looks like effortless at times, even. Mm-hmm, like he does. just has like a calm to him. Well, he, he, I think he has some of that superstar, again, shine to him. Yeah. Where we see these guys and it just looks effortlessly how quickly they get mm-hmm. to the bucket and can score. Yeah. And, and it, sometimes it does look at least more effortlessly than, you know, Giannis even scoring. Like he, Ben Simmons, one thing that is massive about him is his fluidity playing basketball. Yeah. Um, where, you know, Giannis is still learning how to be a guy that, you know, can be a, a facilitator and, and, and drive to the bucket. Um, and be a monster. Now, he's shown ma- major flashes, yeah. and it's disgusting. Um, Giannis is going to be, I think, if we do small forward rankings, probably the second small forward, because yeah. now we're moving Braun to the power forward. Um, so, I mean, no, you're, you're Giannis, right. Giannis is a fantastic player. I don't want to take that away from him. But Sem- Ben Simmons has a fluidity to him that is absolutely uh, marvelous. Um, but let's jump into a, a different discussion, and that is Ricky putting Kyrie over Chris Paul. Dave and I had Chris Paul above mm-hmm. Kyrie. Uh, obviously, it was a three versus four. Ricky, you had Kyrie at three, Chris Paul at four. Why do you make that distinction? Why do you think Chris, uh, Kyrie is above Chris Paul? For me, it basically comes down to, like, if I'm looking at the two, age, first off, age comes into a big part of it, where CP3, you got your contract. That contract that you wanted by basically moving the um, things with the CBA to make sure you can get that one last big contract. Where Kyrie Irving, yeah, I know he was injured last year, but he is one of the hottest commodity names that we are star-wise that we're talking about. And for me, I just feel like coming into this year, if I were to pick which one I want on my team, I'm going to pick Kyrie. Yeah, they were both injured, but... Kyrie's younger, and CP3 
has a bigger history, a longer history of injuries than Kyrie, although but, he has been mm, injured through his career. Say, as well. I will, Kyrie, I will say this: since the thing high school, is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the thing with Kyrie too is that he's, he, although he hasn't been injured more, he probably has been injured more in a certain. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Kyrie's injuries started adding up so young in his career, yeah. where CP3 it really didn't start hitting him. I think until like he was twenty four. Um, and, and then even then, he kind of bounced back, and it wasn't until you know, later in those Los Angeles days where he's had consistent injuries, but again, Kyrie's been getting injured mm-hmm. in a shorter amount of span, um, and it started adding up a little bit quicker. But the biggest thing with Chris Paul is, again, I mean, his his, his role has changed, obviously, from going to Houston to Los Angeles, but I still look at him as, as a, you know one of the best point guards, not only uh, of right now, but of all time. You say the word point guard, and he does everything that you well, think he's about. Like, the, he's, he's the best true point guard. Yeah, if you want yeah. to use that phrase in fun, mm-hmm. like that's that is exactly what Chris Paul is, and I think that's his veteran leadership, his his ability. Like I know he hasn't won it yet, mm-hmm. but he's been in the playoffs consistently. He's been the guy on a team, and now he is a second guy. And that transition down to running alongside James Harden and supporting him, mm-hmm. and at times you, saw, I mean, the difference in that series in the playoffs this year was Chris Paul not being there. If he was yeah. there, Golden State doesn't win a championship. I'll say it. Like, Golden State well, fans yeah. can get all pissy and be like, but what about if... Uh, who who got injured in Golden State? You're talking about... Iguodala? Iguodala. Yeah. yeah, what if he didn't get injured? I don't it, fucking care. Chris yeah, Paul if Chris injury. Paul didn't get injured, they would have lost that series. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why Chris Paul, to me, is more important. Because mm-hmm. I watched Boston play, and Scary Terry lived, up to rep, lived above and beyond reputation in the end of the season and in the playoffs where Kyrie wasn't available. And that makes me go... I know Kyrie's good, but I've seen players in Boston play well to a system. Kyrie's more clutch than anyone I've ever seen, but Boston in that series. And I want to bring that up because yeah. obviously we look at offensively, Kyrie's at least a better scorer. Oh, and, yeah. And then no, Chris no Paul's a better passer. We know and that. And defender. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what I want to bring up with oh. defender is we look at Chris Paul. He's getting older, which means he's getting a little bit slower. He's not able to be as great as a defender as he was. You know, Typically, he was around that 3.2 defensive win share uh, range. Last year was at 2.7. Kyrie has never been seen as a great defender. He had a defensive win share of 2.7 last year. Now, we talk about Boston, how that changes players. Now, does Kyrie being a part of a, uh, a team defense and a team dynamic like Boston kind of close that gap? And maybe that's, and Ricky, would that mean why, you know what? that's why you're kind of putting him over? I'm looking at it, though, and I'm looking back 2016. I had Steph, Russ, Kyrie as my top three. Last year, I had Steph, Russ, Isaiah, who was a Celtic, now I have <laughs> Steph Russ, the Celtic, Kyrie. Maybe I just like the Celtic system and what they do for they, the point guards. Honestly, it works. Like, they got all them wangs <laughs> out there. They can switch on anything. All That's, wangs. <laughs> it is impressive what Brad Stevens is doing. No denying that. But I think you're right. Like it, it at some point comes down to, in that system, you can have point guards succeed above what we would expect them to. I, mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay saying that. I Absolutely. just I just want to say real quick, I had Isaiah Thomas the lowest last year at six. Um, so cool, he put up like 30 points a game and like <laughs> deserved his ranking. No one could have seen the fact that his hip was like made out of porcelain. So. I did. I had him. I had him above. Damian yeah, you Lillard. had him at six. You definitely you called that above one. Damian Lillard. Like, that's the bank. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Um, but with Kyrie, uh, the the other expectation that we would bring up is with Gordon Hayward coming back, with the emergence of Jason Tatum in the playoffs, with Jalen Brown obviously getting older. Um, you know, they still even had Terry Rozier as well. Um, will his point differential 
take that much of a hit because again he was only scored 24 last year that was yeah. a dip uh, from Cleveland as well they have a lot of scorers on this team what is the expectation for Kyrie Irving this year uh, the expectation is get to the finals like that is that's the only thing that this team should be thinking about is getting to the finals like I know we talk about with mostly guys ooh well individual stats points, yeah with the Celtics it don't matter like we've got like they've got players that can play for days. There's going to be different games where, like, maybe JT is the leading scorer this year. Maybe Kyrie's the leading scorer this game. The main thing for them is getting to the finals out of the week east now that LeBron's in the West. I swear to God, if you say week east like 18 more times this offseason, I'm going to lose I'm my gonna shit. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. Keep a counter, everybody. At I'm home. going to lose my um, shit. Final thing, though, Kyrie. Kyrie's uh, also not a leader. I'll just say that. He ain't. And Chris Paul is. You want to? Back that up. Uh, the fact that there's a <laughs> so bold stuff. Yeah, sure. I'll Hope back Kyrie's that up. agent wasn't about to be like, "Oh, wow, this channel's Kyrie, really great." We're Kyrie gonna get, wants we're gonna, to be the man. Kyrie, we're gonna we're gonna Kyrie onto an interview for yeah. uh, the Fast Break podcast, and then prove me wrong, Kyrie. Watches here and we're just like all these Kyrie's rumors about you wanting to leave town and He's not be welcome. the guy on your team. And and well, let's take a look. You were on a terrible Cleveland mm-hmm. team, and you were you know the guy, mm-hmm. and you guys couldn't win more than twenty three games or something. Mm-hmm. And then LeBron well, James comes back. Your second fiddle, and mm-hmm. obviously no one's going to outshine LeBron James, but mm-hmm. like you still could have been a leader. Like we see, we saw in the locker room, guys like Richard Jefferson and um, Channing Frye yeah. were more leaders than Kyrie Irving was on that team. You have a young guy who is vocal, but at the same time, if he's not being a good leader for the team, like mm-hmm. what are you adding to that team? And then he goes to Boston, and you look at that Boston team, and I feel like that team is not quite the put your soul in a jar yeah. as the. Um, Spurs. San Antonio Spurs are, but again, you look at that team and it's a bunch of young kids. And mm-hmm. if you had you had a chance last year to cement yourself as the guy, and the funny thing is, is it's Al Horford's the guy, it's Gordon nope. Hayward on the bench. Brad Stevens is the well, guy. that's that's yeah. the truth. That's yeah. the truth there. And that's yeah. the one thing I find funny is first off with the um, but now, the, the now whole we'll leader thing. Yeah. One thing Kyrie it, Irving has mm-hmm. never said, "I want to be a leader." He, he said, "I want to be the guy." And the thing is the I guy find, not inherently the, the leader. The one thing I will say is when you say, "Oh, well, you were the guy and you didn't win games." Cavalier management sucks. The ownership sucks. We know that without LeBron, the Cavs suck usually. So I mean, that I'm not putting all on Kyrie, but I just find funny he goes to Boston. I'm going to be the guy. Not only are the younger guys like he's injured this year, and the younger guys get experience this year mm-hmm. to where they develop. Really, you look at that team, and it's like, it's not your team, Kyrie. It's Brad Stevens' one, team. One thing I want to throw out there, though, is I think it's Brad Stevens' team. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. But, Dave, to your point of you know winning and losing and how, what that means, in the 60 games that uh, Kyrie played, uh, Boston was 41-19. and 19. So, I mean, they were winning with him out on the floor. And, and without and, him and out there. Without that, I will have to look that I up. want to say winning percentage is about the same. Uh, what's 41 minus 19? I don't know. I'm not uh, good at math on the show. I don't I, do it live. We don't have time for math. Either, you do so. that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep talking <laughs> about ahead. how the fact that even though he wants to be a leader, and now mm-hmm. we're getting these trade rumors, or not mm-hmm. trade rumors, but rumors about him leaving. Wants to, to go, go to New York. Go to New York now. <laughs> go play with Jimmy Butler. Go get myself another team. Like, what is it with him? Or but Brooklyn. He's on him the best out. team in the or East. I don't trust stuff like that. People will throw up Brooklyn as well because they're in of the course, same area. Of course, to- totally counts. <laughs> totally counts. Jay Z. Um, the point being, like. I and I and you're right. He hasn't said anything, but mm-hmm. the fact that he hasn't made any efforts to look to a long-term deal with the Boston Celtics 
don't you find that concerning at all? You know, we also haven't heard anything that they've reached out and started negotiating with them. I, I at least haven't heard that. I'm just saying, other players have been like, I want to play here my life. I would do anything. You know, the DeMar DeRozans of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, maybe there's a different precedent. Maybe he's mm-hmm. just not DeMar. Um, I'm trying to figure maybe it out. Maybe the it earth looks, is flat. It looks like they did have... <laughs> it's not, but okay. At least Thanks. in the regular season, I mean, they probably had a very similar win percentage. I think it um, was, yeah. It was it was close. They, they were 4-2... Um, four and two before he got like like uh, injured, injured, and like was was sitting out, and then they uh, lost one, lost, and then went on a, like a six, seven game win streak, um, then lost twice, then won, then lost twice, then won. So, um, it, it looks like they probably would figure out around sixty eight percent win percentage, which was what they were with Kyrie. So, um, so, but again, even then, in wins. Kyrie had an offensive rating of 120 and a oh, defensive rating of 103. That's um, incredibly impressive. It's stupid. So Kyrie was amazing when they were winning games. Um, so Kyrie it definitely comes down had to intangibles. He, he, had, the top he, four, had, he had a factor uh, in, in, in what this team did, and, and, and when he was playing well, they were winning games. Yeah. Um, no, and no, you're, no, you're no. right, though. I mean, Chris Paul is more of a leader, and I, I can't argue that. And now I don't know if anyone else can be. Uh, who puts Steve Curry? Why is Steve Curry on my thing? I have no idea. I don't know. Where do you see Steve Curry at? Look at my look at my my list. It says Steve Curry instead of Steph. I don't see that. Yeah, Undermine? I don't see it either. Oh, okay. It's you must Steph. have typed that. Maybe you Steve. just typed it We're, and then didn't click out of it. saying Steve Curry. Anyways. Um, <laughs> That's but, the new coach, Steve Curry. But with uh, with Chris Paul, I don't think anyone on this list is as big as a leader as, mm-hmm. as Chris Paul is. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's going to wrap it up. Well, we went a little bit over. Um, we didn't even mm-hmm. talk about Steph or you know Russ, but that's pretty self-explanatory. It's, Do we need to? No, no. we don't. The like, sequel was where Steph Curry is a top, <laughs> is a better player than everyone. He's a point yeah. guard. So, uh, uh, that's but at least Russ shut down. He shut down Ricky Rubio. At least he got what he wanted. Mm. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's going to uh, wrap up the uh, point guard rankings. We'll be back next week without Dave uh, for the shooting guard rankings. Let us know if we uh, should make any changes to at least the way we do this, not to the podcast. I know everyone's like, get rid of Ricky. It's like, no, we're we're, we're best friends. We got rid of Sean of for a week. Yeah, we got two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. And we, right. we did get rid of Ricky at the start of the year last mm-hmm. year, and it yep. didn't go well. Um, so too bad. Um, but let us know, at least with the position rankings, how we could make it you know, possibly more entertaining. Let us know uh, down in the comments below. But that's going to do it for us here on the Fast Break Podcast. We want to first remind you to uh, rate us five stars on iTunes if you if you feel so kindly. Um, it's a massive help to us. Also, don't forget to check out mostvailablepodcast.com so you don't miss any of the content that we're posting. Um, as well, if you want to be on Most Valuable Podcast and you want to check out our store, mm-hmm. you can go buy a t-shirt from us and also check out patreon.com slash Podcast. I think Jake will be joining us soon. He's a uh, he's giddy uh, to be on uh, his podcast again. We're excited to have him. Uh, and I think uh, we got we got Bill coming up, right? Bill Bill is just on. Bill, Bill was, just, was on. just on. We are Damn rescheduling it. all the patrons soon. Well, well, we'll get people on. And, and August you is mi- going to be a fun you month. You miss Z and Bill. I did. So shout out to Z and Bill. I, mean, I missed you. Uh, but anyways, uh, don't forget to check out Patreon.com if you want to be on a podcast. But for Dave Oster, Ricky Boomer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.